Welcome to the Nutrition on a Mission podcast. I'm Dr. James Gieselman, and my co-host is Coach Drew Sams. Together, we bring some of the leading nutritional providers and world-class athletes from across the country who incorporate nutrition either in their practices or day-to-day lives. Our guests share with you their stories of what led them to their passion for nutrition and how you can incorporate some of these practices into your life. Drew, how's it going? Yeah, not too not too bad today, um, James. I, I got to lecture this morning on... Um, kind of an introduction to muscles. You know, we just finished our our bone practical, identifying bony landmarks. Love and, it, love it. And so, so now I get to you know start muscles. We're going to start on the lower body and you know kind of work our way up. So, hopefully, the students enjoy that. Excellent. How is class going? Yeah, it's really it's really not bad. I was actually pleasantly surprised with the bone practical. I normally yeah. get you know that's where some people start falling off, but you know. So far this semester, we've, we've started off well. Excellent. Yeah, Thursdays I uh, don't have any classes, so they're definitely my days to catch up on some things. But, you know, I've, I feel like every semester, and, and you'll get this the more you're here, every semester I change it up. I don't think I have had one standard semester. I thought, you know, once you did your first semester of teaching, you just got to roll over everything. Man, I change everything every year. Yeah, and I've so, already started changing stuff from right? you know last semester to this semester. Like it's <laughs> it's a never ending uh, process. Sport, sport nutrition is completely different this year from when even when you had it two years ago. I mean, it's right. only been around three years, and this one we I'm using four different textbooks. None of them are required, and it's pretty much all discussion based. So I'm loving it. Going to bring in a lot of guests. Going to start making these podcasts some extra credit. So for all the students listening, get get ready to to listen weekly. For sure. Definitely. So, I, you know, I can't wait to jump into today's chat. Um, so how about introducing our guest to uh, our guest, to our listeners? Yeah. Today's guest is Dr. Trudy Mooneisel. Dr. Trudy has been specializing in chiropractic and clinical nutrition for over 30 years. She's a graduate of Life University, where she earned her doctor of chiropractic degree. She has co-hosted Healthy by Choice radio show for over 18 years with her father, Dr. George. Dr. Trudy works with patients in her office as well as telehealth patients from around the world. Dr. Trudy is married and has three children. Dr. Moonheisel, welcome. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. So, so Dr. Moonheisel, can you tell our listeners a little more about yourself? Uh, sure. I'm in practice in Naples. Uh, I actually do practice with my father and my brother. My brother is a Cairo as well, my father. My father is 86, so he's pretty much retired from the chiropractic scene. Um, he still does some of his um, older nutrition patients that can follow his train of thought these days. Um, and then my brother and I both are um, chiropractors, but also um, have the diplomate in clinical nutrition. So. It's a little bit of a family affair. My mother does the front desk, uh, not front desk, the office management, shall we say. So she keeps all the ducks in a, in a row. So we, I've been practicing with him pretty much since we started. So we just share the, share the overhead and, and it's good. It's a, it's a family practice. So it's been really helpful because over the years, if we had cases, we could always, and, and I know you guys can relate, you can step in the other room and you go, 
hold on a minute. I'm going to see what Dr. Robert thinks about this. I'm going to see what Dr. George thinks about this. And so you get, you know, a second and a third opinion kind of all in one place. So, right. Yeah. No, that's an awesome, uh, awesome setup to have, you know, being able to bounce ideas back and forth on one another. And I know, you know, I mean, even, even going through school, like I do not proclaim to be the performance expert at all. So performance right. ideas, I'm bouncing those off Drew. I'm like, so what do you think about this? How about that? Right. Um, right. I just, yeah. I, I like that so, idea and I, you don't realize how much you appreciate it until you listen to yeah. others that might just be a solo practitioner and they don't have a, you know, a, a resource to go to. So right. that's kind of invaluable. Now I've already tried to tell Drew that, I mean, I still have a group of guys that I still, we have a group chat. Anytime mm -hmm. something walks into one of our door that we're just kind of like, Oh, do you, do you remember this? Like being in the lecture? Like, what did you, Right. Do you know what this is or, you know, and just bouncing it back and forth. And I was telling Drew, like, you know, he'll have that one day as well. Like whenever he, you know, if he goes on to chiropractic school, he'll get like right. that core group that even once we're in practice in 20 years, like he can bounce ideas. We'll still text each, each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Now, you did your him. brother and dad also go to life? Uh, my brother did. My dad's a, gra a graduate of Logan, but see, we were hey, always okay. in yeah. So we were always in South Florida and my, my parents were like, well, let's not have you that far away, especially since life, well, you know, in Atlanta, right. It came, it got mm, open in Atlanta. Right. So my brother went and then I was right behind him by a year. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm partial to the Logan. So I'm sure. I'm I sure know. And I, I would have. Exactly. I would have gone there truthfully. Um, but my brother mm -hmm. already went to life and they were like, well, and I had my daughter, I already had her by then. So a mm -hmm. little closer to Florida was a little easier, but I, I have oh, lots absolutely. of friends that went to Logan. So I'm partial. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've been this whole season, we've been highlighting uh, members of the council on nutrition board. Mm -hmm. And so real quickly, can you just tell the audience, you know, how did you get involved with the board? What made you decide to want to volunteer your yep. time for this organization and, and share okay. that? Uh, I was, um, to be really perfectly honest, this started with my father because he was one of the original members uh, for um, Council on Nutrition. And so when I graduated college, he was like, well, you're going to go to the council on nutrition meetings and, you know, they take you around and they introduce you to their friends, which again is invaluable. And then before long, you find yourself, Hey, we need a uh, director. We need some volunteers we need. And I'm like, sure. I'll, all right. Not being super naive. And they're like, yes, you know, and you're thinking, Ugh. so, but it, it has been really helpful. I'm, definitely thankful for the relationships that he, you know, he connected me to people and then to be able to have that history. So that was back. So I graduated in 92. So it was just literally, uh, within six months that I was at my first mm -hmm. ACA council on nutrition meeting. And, um, probably I've held almost every, I did, I've, I have declined presidency many times because I just really <laughs> am not down for that. Um, right. But I've held almost every position, the executive director and the vice president. I don't know if I've done secretary treasurer. I don't know. It's not really my thing. I'm, I'm pretty much of an organizer. 
So I do well at executive director Uh and vice president. I'm fine to just sit back and and answer a question when somebody has one. (laughs) So I like it. I like the, um, I like to, to the volunteer part of it. And I just like the community Mm -hmm. that it keeps you in, you know, with other like-minded practitioners. Right. Drew, does any of that sound familiar? I yeah. I had Drew to that to his first symposium before he was I think he was what a month or two into your masters of nutrition and maybe I'm already dra- yeah. I'm already dragging oh, you gosh. to the symposium yeah. and then here you are on the podcast like but you have to find your yeah. tribe you know you got to find your people right and you got to figure out if these aren't your people then okay well you know um, Dr. Giesemann could have gotten you to the right you know right place so yeah definitely. Yeah, it, you know, just looking back over, you know, maybe just the last year and a half, how lost I was, you know, at, at that symposium is, is crazy to, you know, just the knowledge you can gain within a year and a half, you know, towards yeah. towards something, I think. Right. You know, it was definitely a good experience. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's enjoyable. You, yeah. yeah. Could, you, could you tell us a little bit about why you chose chiropractic as a career and kind of what led you into the nutrition side of things? Yeah. So that's kind of a funny little deal. So when I was younger, we would be at um, family reunions and, you know, everybody's sitting around in the yard and in lawn chairs and talking. And I would go around, you're a kid, you're bored out of your mind sometimes. So you're going around and I'm, I'm working on everybody's shoulders, right? I'm massaging and I'm going to one person. Of course they like it. And uh, so I would get to my dad and he'd go, more with your thumb. You feel that? What do you feel? What do you think about that? So look at my head position. So he's training me. I know. See, James, you're laughing. But it's true. He's training me from very young. And so I remember that. So I'm guessing I was six, maybe. I was I was tall enough to reach their shoulders standing on the ground, right? So from a chair. So um, I started like that. And then that persisted for a while. And then we went on to... Um, I got into, it was like 10 or 12 years old. And my dad said, so what do you think you want to do? And I said, mm, um, I like, I think I want to work with children. And he's like, hmm, so you're going to be a pediatrician. I said, yep, yep, that's what I'm going to do. He goes, huh, are you going to be okay with um, what happens when a kid comes in with a cold or with an earache? And I'd say, well, um, I would... Uh, I'd tell him to do this and then went through the list of things that I've bought. And then I said, and then I'd adjust them. He goes, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do that as a pediatrician. And I go, well, why not? He goes, you're not licensed to do that. So he played the license card with me. And I was like, what do you mean? Uh, So then it got to be there. And he's like, well, you know, you could be a pediatric chiropractor, someone that just saw Mm -hmm. children. I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Okay. I'll think about that. Uh, so then as that's kind of how I got there, but I always very much had an interest for people and we would sit in the mall again with dad and you're sitting, you know, you're bored, everybody's shopping. You're like, you know, you're sitting on the bench with the guys and my dad would go, see that lady coming? And he go, why do you think she's limping? And I'd look and I go, I don't know. It looks like she, her knee hurts her. He goes, how do you think it's at the knee? How do you know it can't be the ankle? He would talk me through a visual walking exam on a patient. And I had no clue. He was so stealth about it. And yeah. so really that's, and he's even now he, 
I, I have a high need for information. So he, even now he'll say, what are you writing a book? And I go, absolutely. I'm on like chapter 50 already. So I am very detail oriented by nature. So he just saw mm -hmm. that and just went for the kill. Yep. So here I am. <laughs> so Andrew, then, that, Andrew, it comes natural. It, yep. I was going to say that sounds very familiar. We yeah, have it does. That, yeah, that it does. Yeah, it does. campus and right it's what so from there he did nutrition my father always 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 did nutrition so he graduated from logan in six, 63 or 64. um and back in those days he used to go to different seminars and all the way years ago so i remember hanging out with all all those guys too um and and i used to go to jeffrey bland seminars so if you've ever listened to dr bland um, you know, he's very heavy on the chemistry. And if you understand anything he says, even as a, a postgraduate person, you're, you're doing really well. So I grew up listening to that, but he's always done nutrition. So once I, um, when I was at life, they offered the dual program. So you could, while you were in there, cause so many of those prerequisites overlap with the nutrition. So I went ahead and just hammered that out. It was really insane because you're doing your clinic patients. So you have your, your chiropractic, then you have to fit your, your clinic quota in, and then you have to do your um, nutrition classes. And then you have quotas for those because you still have to do um, diet planning and you have to do those face-to-face -face encounters, much like you have to do for chiropractic. So that's how that happened. And, and when you're raised like that, Drew, you know, I mean, it just, you can't imagine doing anything else. And now, of course, I look back and when I say things to patients, I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like my father, you know, and, I, and anything we would come to him with and we'd be like, I have an earache, you need an adjustment. I have a stomach ache, you need adjustment. I have diarrhea, you need an adjustment. And I'm like, what? what? How is that helping? And of course, now I'm laughing because I know it and now I understand. But then I thought he was crazy. I thought this man is just, delusional. Did you think I was crazy five years ago, Drew? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Does you know, that whole... you feel... James feels vindicated right now. He's I just... do. I feel yeah. really good about everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> Drew, while he was an undergrad, he was a student worker, right? So he mm -hmm. was a health and movement science. He was the HMS department student worker. And we're on the third floor on campus and we would people watch and I would, it's all about the gate, right? So oh, I, yeah. from like freshman year, I was like, look at that gate. And then mm -hmm. he would start to spot it out. And now it's like, we've come full circle because just what you were saying about how you just find yourself saying those things. Like right. I will overhear Drew say something and I'm like, yep, I'm just going to yep. let him take this one. This is fine. Like, exactly. man, look how overactive those lateral rotators are while those feet are turning out while they're walking. Mm -hmm. like. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. But it is, it's just no, some of those observational skills, I think that you hone in on. But I, I do think there is a bit of a inherent tendency. Like some people get it and can see it and other people cannot. I, I no. definitely agree with that. I mean, there were some, and, you know, everybody in my class, of course, was was great. So I don't want them to listen to this and, and be upset at all. But, I mean, there are definitely some that are, um, I, I just want to, you know, better adjusters. And then yeah. there are some that are just really great at, like, the 
understanding the book work and the clinical piece. And then there's others who blend it all together. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's okay to find your niche out there, find, right. find where you belong. And, and, you know, I, I think that's the great thing with the chiropractic profession, um, particularly is, you know, there's something here for, I would like to say almost Every. everybody. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of pediatrics, I mean, is that a big portion of your practice right now, pediatrics? So that's really funny because, uh, -huh. uh so 30 years. So I think I did, I think I started out more that way. I didn't market myself that way right away. Cause of course you need patients. So you want family practice. You want everybody. Right. And then I kept thinking, Oh, you know, I really like this. And I will tell you, I still see children and I love the children. It's the parents that are problematic. <laughs> so how much pediatrics do I do now? Um, a good amount, but it's not, I would not say I'm a pediatric chiropractor. I would say I, mm -hmm. I'm a family. I see everybody. Um, and I, and I need to see everybody for my sanity because, uh, if I had to deal with parents all day long, it's not a good scene. I mean, now, like literally with cell phones, when you're trying to talk to a, a little person and they got their head buried in a cell phone or an iPad watching a show while you're supposed to be giving them a treatment or you're supposed to be getting information from them, not happening. Mm -mm. So, yeah, <laughs> but that's probably a function of years in practice, three grown children and two grandchildren. Like I get it from all aspects, but um, I do better with a kind of a more blended practice. I think it makes me a happier doctor. <laughs> so, right. There sounds like a lot of similarities with coaching. Yes, I'm, I'm assuming you can like relate to some of that. That's exactly where I was going. I was, I mean, I was about to say that that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm, you know, a college coach. You know, you don't. <laughs> You're dealing with, you know, the athlete, you're dealing with, you know, just the athlete, you know, not a lot of parents involved. And man, uh, we run a youth club and, you know, I mean, we, we allow parents in and, you know, some people, you know, enjoy that thing and some people, you know, don't enjoy it. Um, but that was the one reason I said I would never, you know, do, you know, the youth or the high school, just avoid the, Drama. the, the interaction with the parents. Right. I love the, I love the kids. I will help a child all day long. And oftentimes, even when I still see them, I, if I can get to the place where the, the patient is old enough, um, I work my way to let the parent sit in the waiting room because, and, and, and the parents are honestly happy to do that. They're like, here, have them. And the, the kids and I, we get along fine. We hammer out issues and it actually works way better, but you just got to reach that place of trust and, you know, liability that it makes it okay. Right. So. So let's talk a little patient care if you, if you don't mind. Okay. So Drew and I started a online practice. And so, I mean, you know, I was in practice when I first got out of school before I came to teaching. Um, and I, you know, we still have a, a practice now. I still see athletes coming in, but I don't know how many times I get, um, you know, patients believing different things. So talking about some patient beliefs, you know, you've had a lot of experience in practice um, I, right now, Drew and I, we focus a lot on um, 
nutrition, obviously. Mm -hmm. This is the Council on mm -hmm. Nutrition. We focus a lot on nutrition. And I am a big proponent of food sensitivities, like mm -hmm. doing food sensitivity testing. Right. You know, what I find is clients and patients will come and they'll say, I have XYZ. So it could be bloating. It could be upset stomach. It could be something like that gas. And they're right. like, oh, but it's fine because that's normal. Well, it's not, right? Right. So can you talk a little bit about uh, that? Yes. Yeah. So I do quite a bit of that testing. And I always usually on that front when they say, oh, that's normal. And I was like, well, it's not normal. It might be common, meaning you could interview 10 people and eight out of the 10 would have these same complaints. But that doesn't mean it's normal. And so then we usually go back and have a discussion about that you're, we talk about the body as a total toxic load. And so that what you're eating is, you know, food is information as well. So I point them to the, the fact that you have like over 80% of your immune system stems from the health of your gut. So when that's not happy, it's not going to be okay. And the fact that when you do something like food sensitivity testing, you have, um, you have where they might have a combination of those reactive foods in one day, they could have five, six, seven, eight of them in a day. And they, they like to kind of think silver bullet, right? Oh, it was the egg. It was the dairy. It was this. And, and they are looking for one thing when oftentimes if they've been um, eating the same foods and they're not rotating their foods often enough, of course, they're going to end up with all kinds of sensitivities. And then if you kind of magnify that with a chronic over-the-counter use of an allergy medicine like Benadryl or Zyrtec or things like that, then you're stripping away, as you know, the lining, that protective lining of the whole digestive tract. So it kind of leaves you more open. So yeah, we have that conversation. But for Drew, I, on my patients that are athletes, I definitely, I go after the performance part of it and I'm like, well, how's your stamina? How's your injury rate? How's, and I start going into the things that I already know because I've been treating them chiropractically and I'll say, you know, you're having micro fractures. Um, do you think that has something to do with your absorption of your minerals? Oh, well, you said you're not going to the bathroom every day. And, you know, and then you start putting those pieces together. So they get the root cause, but then athletes, athletes are actually some of my easiest ones to work with because I know how to motivate them. Oh, you want your time to be faster? You want your downtime to be less, less nope. injury? Oh, you got to compete in states? No problem. Right? Don't you see, you would find the nope. same thing with your students. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think probably, you know, the, the biggest thing at this level is commitment. You know, there's so many other right. distractions and, you know, you're eating, especially at the college mm -hmm. level, like you get commons food, you get, you know, quick on the go food. So, right. you know, just compliance is probably the biggest thing with, you know, especially college athletes. Well, I'd say compliance and probably cost, right? Cause a lot of the things that we would say, Oh yeah, yeah. here, do yep. this. But I always, I have a colleague that he keeps using the acronym JERF, J-E-R-F, just eat real food. And so I have people all the time, which I'm sure, sure you do too. And they ask about powders and shakes and what bar do you like? What this and what that? And I'm like, uh, how about a handful of pumpkin seeds? No, no, man, I mean a bar. And I'm like, what are you, a child? And so sometimes I'll, I'll use a little bit of cheeky humor with them because it kind of embarrasses mm -hmm. them into thinking really about what they said, you know? Right. So yeah, I do, um, James, I do a lot of food sensitivity testing and then follow that up 
either before that or after that, I've already done like an intestinal permeability to determine mm -hmm. where, how long is that going to take, you know, number one, do they have an, a, a permeability or a malabsorption issue? And then number two, how long is it going to take, or am I expecting that for them to get results and how long do we have to stay after like a protocol? But right. yeah, it's, I, yeah. that's mind? so pivotal. So, you know, talking about compliancy, like you even see that um, not in just the athletes, though. For for me, what I see is, you know, we'll do this food sensitivity testing. We make the changes for maybe a month. But after that, we're just like, ah, we're just going to go back to our old ways. So how do you motivate them? How do you try and get around that? How do you try and keep people motivated? I mean, just because, you know, it's one of those things where it's great, you know, if I can lose five or 10 pounds, but as soon as you're going to go back, if we're not making those long-term changes, right. So you know, just tell them it's an expensive test. Yeah. So right. Exactly. Expensive test. If you're not going to follow, um, I usually, so I would do the test and in my reporting of the findings, I tell them, I'm like 98% of these are temporary. These don't continue. If you've been successful at your approach to healing your gut and you've rotated your foods and pulled these foods and gotten your five R's, as we know, if you've gotten through all of those steps, then this shouldn't be here in four or five months. So I kind of put a little bit more of a timeline for it. This is not forever. Now, when you retest, and it depends on the outcome, like do you retest in six months, do you retest in a year? And it depends on obviously patient funding because that's expensive. Um, but based on that, I usually will try to get them motivated to say, look, okay, we're going to do this. And then in this period of time, we're going to recheck it. And I tell them, otherwise, if you're not good about pulling these foods out, and why retest? But this could have really profound changes. And if they don't invest in the time to rotate their diet and they haven't gotten to the otherwise root cause, which is the 5R part of it, if they haven't done that, then you're just still looking for the silver bullet, right? They're still looking for the magic right. pill that's going to cure all their ills. So I guess that's where, like I said, in an athlete, you pull together their performance. But in a patient like that, what's their goals? You have to define what their goals are and you keep reminding of them of their goals and how what you're doing by avoiding those foods and fixing the gut and addressing that is going to help you reach those goals. And then I, I do try to put a, I put it on the calendar. I mean, it's kind of a gutsy move, mm -hmm. but people now want to be able to throw a dart on a calendar and go, okay, so you're saying by summer, I should be able to get into a bikini or, you know, whatever. A lot of word right. pictures are really helpful, but that's how I, that's how I do that. And then I constantly am looking for, I don't want to say the, I'm going to say it, best value or most cost effective mm -hmm. way to check it. So like some of those panels for uh, IgG sensitivities, they'll come with a 12 IgE or 25 IgE or no IgEs. Um, so depending on what their specific first results were, sometimes mm -hmm. dictates, well, I could do a shorter panel next time or short this or add this. Does that make sense? I kind of yeah, tailor Yeah, no, that's great. That's great information. Yeah. So. So, so Dr. Dr. Moon Eisel, working with a lot of athletes, I often get asked if like supplements or medications that are over the right. counter are safe. Like in, in your opinion, what, what do you think the best answer, you know, to, 
to these, you know, people, you know, believing they can, you know, take everything yeah. that's over the counter. It does. I, I'll tell you one of the things that is getting me a lot lately, because just because you're hearing a lot of the high instances of cognitive decline. So uh, even on the athletes, I would go back and I'd say, you know, do you take um, Benadryl? You know, how often do you take an allergy medicine? Um, how often do you take um, or do you take any antidepressants? And uh, if so, which ones? Um, and as they kind of self-treat, even with some of those over the counters, they assume that, oh, you can buy it at the drug food store. It's fine. But um, there's very little awareness to anticholinergic effects of those over the counters, like diphenhydramine. Um, containing ones for sure. Those for most of them, I think that's the, mo- the most eye-opening um, because they don't realize, well, well, what are you saying? Well, I take that every night to go to sleep or I take that for my allergies every day. Oh, my doctor says I can take that forever. And I'm like, oh, okay. If you like your brain, you probably shouldn't, right? So, uh, and they just are unaware. And once I start saying anticholinergic, that means that's going to affect your your cognitive function. It, you know, if you're having an allergic reaction where you need something immediate, okay, Benadryl, but a nightly, daily course of this, nope. So yeah. that's the kind of things that they're just not enough aware. And now the off-label use, you know, they're telling they're telling mm-hmm. parents they can use they can use Benadryl in kids for like sure, okay. And I'm thinking, why would you got a growing brain and you're going to thwart it by giving them an anticholinergic every night? Right. Z-Quil, how about Zequel? Yeah, yeah, Something like Zequel. They go, oh yeah, I was having trouble. Yeah. NyQuil, Zequel, all of that. So that's a good. Yeah. I don't know how many athletes, you know, I get that, you know, will, will come night before a tournament and they'll be like, well, I can't sleep in the hotel. So, you know, three days leading up to it, I take, I take, you know, Benadryl or yeah. I take, you know, something that's helping so you might i mean on your athletes them. i'd say look dude i need your brain as well as your body to be working so let's take an inventory of what you guys are taking and make sure that you're not you're not um really stabbing yourself in the foot and sabotaging themselves yeah right no that's that's awesome information though because i think that's often overlooked right because it's over the counter it's so easy to take i mean mm-hmm. i'm amazed at how many athletes and just patients and adults can't read a a label like oh i take four tylenol well are they ex like don't take four tylenol or right. just give me a handful of ibuprofen like you do know that the dosage is only 800 milligrams for eight hours like we are not going over that oh, and yeah. they're just amazed that when they find out too much ibuprofen can cause you know gi mm-hmm. bleeding or they're amazed mm-hmm. that tylenol is a known hepatotoxin like it will kill off part of the liver Mm-hmm. They're just amazed. They're like, no, but it's over the counter. So it has to be fine. Yeah. That, it's between that's what I'm the, amazed by. Well, it's, I think it's between what you're saying, which is it, unaware of dosing and toxicity mm-hmm. and interactions as well as, oh, well, I also take, um, I don't know, cat's claw or, you know, something like that. And they take, and they're taking some of these meds over the counter and they go, oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. And I go, but whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. And they don't understand how come they develop these issues. 
but I think it's between that and then just what they're taking. And I'll say, well, how many milligrams? Oh, I take, um, you know, magnesium. Well, okay. How many milligrams? I don't know. I just take one a day and I go, okay, one a day doesn't tell me how many milligrams. So what's the serving size. And so I actually have to do kind of a full lesson on, on reading a label, serving size, potency forms, best time to take things. I tell you, you know what, one of the things that I, I still see, I'm in South Florida, so I see a lot of older patients as well, but I see mm -hmm. some of my younger ones doing it too, is they're taking, they take fiber, right? They take fiber in the morning with the rest of their quote pills. And I think, um, you know what fiber does, right? Okay. Well, what kind of fiber are you taking? I don't know. It's just fiber. I just put it in the glass and then I, and then they're pills. So I've had to a lot of times tell them, I'm like, look, if you want any any absorption coming from those supplements or or your prescriptions, you might want to separate the fiber. But nobody tells them that. They just say, oh, yeah, my doctor said just put it in some orange juice and I can take the medicine. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So then they go back to the doctor and they don't understand why the medicine's not working. And so they increase the potency of the medicine and not realizing when they're taking it, right? So some really simple things. So. No, absolutely. You know, Drew and I, we've, so this past year, we, we took a deep dive before wrestling season. He created a big performance uh, manual for the athletes. And then I did a deep dive on the nutrition side. And so, you know, this is something that, because we've been harping on hydration. Hyd hydration is probably something I started harping on two years ago. And we've, right. we've kind of gone through this evolution, right? So hydration. And now we're finally to probably the supplementation phase. Um, you know, athletes wanting to know, okay, now that we have the nutrition in order and hydration, we understand the performance. Like, is there any added benefit to any sort of, um, you know, ergogenic aid? Mm -hmm. So regarding supplements, you know, how, because I think this is our next evolution, probably yeah. in our, um, you know, stage of, of what we teach the wrestlers is how do you tell them to, what do you tell patients on? How do you find a good brand? How do you know what the correct dosing is? Right. Like what's your go-to? So of course, I mean, you're probably alluding more to like creatine and things like that and the muscle building before I even tell them brands and things and guide that way. I always ask, and it sounds horrible, but I always ask what their digestive process is like and what their total grams of protein in food they're getting. And if they're mm -hmm. like figuring out if they're fermenting their proteins, uh, guess what? Why am I going to give you something else to supplement what if we would correct what you're already eating, then, you know, you probably wouldn't have to supplement so aggressively. So I first go back to the digestive process and make sure that that's accurate or it's functioning properly to make sure they're actually absorbing their proteins. Um, but next, I'm not a huge fan of, of creatine if unless... Okay. So in my younger ones, like my teenager, definitely teenagers, college, it, it would be a short-term use for a short-term gain, but usually I would fall more on the side of the branched chain amino acids, something like that, mm -hmm. and, and something that would have more of a, a um, documented amino acid profile 
because most of them aren't getting it. I always joke that if it has a documented amino acid profile, it's like pre-digested baby formula, right? So in baby formula, when they have digestive issues, you go, oh, here, you need this one. And I always think like on the protein shake, sometimes you want to have that documentation that, okay, in this it's you know, whatever, 40 grams of protein, but out of there, this is the typical amino acid profile. So it's almost like pre-digested for them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm more in favor of something like that um, especially for recovery too, and, and a little bit of magnesium. Um, something that they're doing, not so, I don't know, athletes, I don't know, maybe Drew could speak to that more, but I know that I'm reading a lot of cans of things like uh, Celsius and goat fuel and things like that. I'm laughing at the names are hilarious, but there's a lot of that like taurine mixed with the caffeine and, but more than that, I mean, that's the issue, but more than that, then they're using like sucralose, which is Splenda chlorinated sugar as the sweetener. And it's, oh, it's zero sugar. And so they, they are under the illusion that it's fine because it's zero sugar. Pay no mind. You're going to give yourself a stinking heart attack because you just cranked it on caffeine and taurine. But I did, I've seen quite a few athletes with, um, where it's really interfered with their thyroid function, kind of in a negative feedback, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So that's been an issue. Some of those kids are drinking two and three of those a day, and they're like, but it's fine. It's it's zero grams. So, yeah. I mean, if you had a specific one, so brands, I think you asked me about brands. Um, I don't know that I, uh, I do in my office, I use a good amount of Zymogen products, um, but, and they have some performance ones. Um, I like, they have, uh, called, I think it's ATP ignite is one that we use. And they also have one that's just the, um, androgenic amino acids. That's zymobolics, I think. So those are both powders. So if I were going to supplement with something, I'm a little bit more careful about what the actual needs of the person are. So um, oh, so it would, yeah, it would depend on the label. I'm, I'm very much like I, they go, well, what do you think about this one? And if I don't know it off the top of my head, I'm like, show me a label and then show me the whole yeah. label. Like I need to see the can. I need to see the powder. Yeah. yeah. Cause then, you then you're going, okay, is it, is it yeah, I hate that word. I hate that. Yeah, you mean on labels? Right? It drives me crazy. I do. So, Whenever it's just a, a concoction nope. of ingredients and you have no idea uh-uh. how much it is, I automatically don't give it any, pick nope. something else. Well, and even on those proprietary blends, they list caffeine in that deal. So uh, what was, I can't remember the one that I looked at. I want to say it might've been the goat fuel that it, it didn't, it said proprietary blend, it says caffeine. And then I was like, well, that's weird because they're not even telling you how many milligrams of caffeine. And then in small print, oh, it was um, 200. And I was like, oh, whoa, oh, hey now. And it was like a small can. So yeah. I don't, I mean, you, the stuff that that does to your nervous system. I mean, I'd rather just honestly have right. a small shot of espresso black. Let's go, you know? Yep. So Definitely. So, so kind of leading into um, my next point, um, as a society, we seem to always be on the go. What are some you know, tips for the people that are listening to this that, to not get caught 
in the day-to-day automation of the world. Yeah. So I always tell him like, don't automate. We're, we're always looking for, oh, here. And when you do that, you reduce your awareness, right? You would do, you, you just go, oh yeah, here, they're going to call me for a recall. Oh, they're going to, even at the gym, right? You can go to these workouts and you can, oh, here, I, I've got a spot for 1030 and they pop in there and they're, and they're less intentional even about the workout because it's part of like filling an appointment. So I feel like it, it removes the, um, diligence or the awareness about what they're doing. Even, um, a lot of the, we just changed our, um, EMR software for nutrition. And I had a hard time vetting them, but some of them really touted that, oh, here, we'll keep contact with the patient about this and that. And, oh, we can track this and track and like automated. And so they go, oh, we do all this. And in some ways, I'm like, I want them to do that. I want them to have to go through the work. Right. So like when I'm sitting in a consultation with a patient, they go, oh, don't you have this written down for me? Are you going to write this down for me? And I said, I handed you a clipboard with this piece of paper and a pen. And I would prefer as part of the learning process that you listen to what I'm saying and you write in your own words what you heard me say, because I can write a list. I can put you all these handouts and it can be the best thing ever. But if that's not how they learn and that's not how they become more aware it doesn't do a bit of good. And they'll put it in a drawer like they do everything else they did. I find if they have to listen, process, because then they'll ask questions when they don't when they don't understand. So that automation, I think, is I love it. I mean, I do as the convenience. I'm an efficiency person. But man, I think it's it's there's a good amount of caution there to make sure that you don't automate it to the point of removing it. Oh, OK. Think about your auto pay for your bills. Then do you pick up and you, do you look at your statement? Do you look at all those charges or you just go, dang, yeah, that's taken care of, right? I'm just saying. So I tell that to patients. I'm like, don't automate. I'm telling you, yes, it's helpful, but just it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, that sounds so much like, you know, we get, like Dr. James said, we gave our wrestlers a, you know, nutrition handout. I'm Uh still getting asked, what do I eat before? you know, before the tournament, what do I eat the night before? I'm like, you have it. You have every, everything that you're asking, uh-huh. you have the answers to like right? it, a click away. And it's just uh-huh. so easy to ask instead of do it yourself. Well, it's, it is, it's a hundred percent laziness, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty um, bold about calling my patients out. If they roll in my office with a fluffy Starbucks and some whipped cream on top, and you're going to sit down for a nutritional consultation and you wonder why you have digestive issues, we're going to have a serious talk about that. I'm going to go, really? How many of those you have a week? You know, I mean, you're there for, to, for me to help you. And Yeah. You know, all my patients know that I love them, but I'm pretty, I'm normally, one of my older patients called me their no spin doctor because you're going to know what I think. I mean, I always say it with love, but I'm like, look, otherwise I'm, you don't want to go somebody, go to somebody who's just going to both smoke at you. You want to either be better or you need to find a different doctor that you can communicate with. Right. So I could not agree more. I mean, that is definitely how I feel like we teach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some students love the bluntness about how, unfortunately, you know, in some cases we have to have difficult conversations, like just, you know, mathematically, there's no way to pass this course. Like, I think we should focus our efforts on another course and come back and do it again. 
or whether it's, you know, in the mm-hmm. wrestling room with, with Drew and the other coaches, like, Hey, maybe we need to think about what we're, what we're processing because, you know, I really like the clipboard idea, letting them take yeah. notes. Oh yeah. And Drew actually started that last year with one of his classes. It was a handout that it's basically like a fill in the blank. Right. So sure. as he's lecturing, they just have to write, write in the answer. And then that's how they get points for the day. And I think that's a, it's, it creates more work on the front end for us. But I think the learning piece is just, it's so worth it. They just want to hear, just tell me, just tell me what you want oh, me to yeah. do. And I'm like, no, then you have no critical thinking skills. You have no way to problem solve. You can't even find your yeah. way out of a box. So yep. it's, I just yeah. had a student ask me that last week. I gave my handout and as I'm leaving, they're like, well, what's number eight? Cause I always finish the class with any questions, concerns, comments. I mean, that's just something I've developed. And yeah, what's number eight? I said, well, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Those are the ones that I usually come back with something pretty obnoxious. You know, like, dude, really? Come on. And and I find that if I use humor in somebody like that, it does throw them back yeah. a little bit because they don't expect you to be a little cheeky with them. But then they were right. like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. So. so many people want, you know, just the, I'm just tell me I'm doing it right. Like, tell me, yeah. you know, tell me what I'm doing is the right thing to do. Like, yeah. why'd you come to me? Why'd you come to right. me if you just want to hear you're doing it right? Right. Yep. So we are just about out of time, but before we go, you know, Drew and I have been putting everyone on the spot, so okay. you're, you're no different. So we're going to put you on the spot. Okay. I'm going right, to ask you to get out your crystal ball. Okay. Um, so get out your crystal ball and tell me, what do you think the next big thing is for the field of nutrition? Um, well, it's really exploding now, but it's warp mm-hmm. speed. I honestly think it's the whole nutrigenomic epigenetic interface. That's, that is, if I can go back and do more education, I'm going back into genetics. Um, but specifically how, because I'm a proactive preventive person. So not as we know, cause epigenetics, you have, you still have quite a bit of influence you can have on that genetic expression. So uh, that would be my area. And I'd probably go back on the education front and go look and have like a whole course on epigenetics because there's a lot of people out there that feel saddled with their genetics and they don't have to feel so saddled. They need to be empowered that they can do something about it. But I think that field is just it's at warp speed right now. So as much like I can learn something this weekend and I will come back and I have a dozen or more cases that I need to use it on right then. So it does force your brain to have to think, but um, that's where it is. It's we're there, but it's, it's like a rocket ship. No, absolutely. You know, I I told Drew, so Drew's in the middle and just finishing up his uh, master's in nutrition Right. And I still remember the nutrigenomics class I took. Man, it's, it's been a few years. Let's just put it that way. Like, yeah. let's not discuss how long. Yeah. But it's been a few years. Yeah. And I remember the nutrigenomics like even that long ago. And it was just fascinating stuff to think that. It's so cool. And we were just li- actually listening to a podcast uh, not long ago that we were talking that they were talking about um, the epigenetics in terms of like fertility. Oh, yeah. And, and so they were they had a female. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Just the fact that, you know, even the, you know, everyone thinks of the egg as being the most important part, but I mean, the sperm and, oh, yeah. and how guys can even change. 
Preconception. The epigenetics based on what they're eating. And so it's just a fascinating field. It's so cool. I do work a lot with that. I, that is so cool to me. I, you're right. Absolutely. But yeah, that would be my crystal ball prediction. Well, you're, you're definitely not the only person there. That's about the third person to say that. So really, that's funny. Yeah. Yep. So at least, you know, everybody's on the same page with that. Right. Right. Cool. So, so Dr. Trudy, thank you again for, you know, being our guest today. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to come and enjoy. I always enjoy chatting. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to, you know, be able to put this podcast out and, you know, hopefully get a lot of people that, you know, will be joining in with us. So remember, new podcast episodes will be released weekly and we'll drop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more every Monday with special behind-the-scenes clips shared on our social media channels throughout the week. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. This has been Nutrition on a Mission, a podcast from the ACA Council on Nutrition. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nutrition on a Mission Pod and follow Drew and I at Iowa Performance Institute for updates on our guest and episode releases. Can't wait for you guys to join us again next time. The views and comments expressed herein are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of the ACA Council on Nutrition or the American Chiropractic Association.